Hey, could you do me a quick favour wherever you're listening to this or watching this from? Could you just give it a quick thumbs up, a review? It honestly goes further than you'd imagine. And it also means that we can continue to bring on these exciting guests every week. And also, this episode is sponsored. This episode is sponsored by the founder, Edward Maradona, who is actually the guest on this week's episode. He sponsored this podcast through his company, Cabinet Noir, a clothing apparel brand operating worldwide. We have been very fortunate to offer 15% discount to any online disruptor listeners. So just use the code Liam15 to get 15% off. Thank you so much. It's people like him who really do keep this podcast going. So without further ado, I'm Liam Chick. I cannot wait to share this conversation with you. Cool. So, Eddie, thanks very yeah. much for um, coming on the podcast. It's a pleasure to get you on. From from what I know, you're an incredibly talented guy. You're a humble guy. Um, you've built an incredible business. I think the first question on what I want to really ask you is why why sneakers? Why fashion? Well, we started off. Well, I started off um, jumping into the hip hop world. So, breaking was the roots of it all. Breakdancing, reboying, we call it. Um, and in that culture, we learn the culture of hip hop, right? And the cultural hip hop, we learn about sneakers, about dressing well. Um, you know, when you go to the club, when you go out to the jams, you have to dress well from your, your your hats, your outfits, your shoes. They all have to match, and they all have to look fresh. And that kind of catapulted me into the, the the realm of fashion. And if you look at the fashion now, it's kind of like you always see tribute to the hip hop or the streetwear culture. Um, you know, whether you, you look at run DMC days in the eighties and then you go into the nineties, the two thousands. And, and now there's always kind of like, you know, references to the hip hop culture. Um, and, and that's how I got into fashion really. So we, from there, I just want to open a shop, um, and sneakers. We started off selling sneakers and, um, streetwear clothes. Now we're, we're in the designer luxury space, which I enjoy more of. And I think that's where fashion is heading. Like look at a lot of kids getting to, luxury fashion because um, they always look up to who you know the celebrities what they're wearing uh what's popular what's happening you know so we, got, we have to be current in a sense and that's where our brand is as well and where our store is heading nice why why hip-hop then because that that's a very niche um niche sector in itself isn't it really especially over here in yeah England. that was like a cool thing back then well Really, it's, it's in Australia, it's the same, you know, like we're, I grew up in the alternative rock sort of background. Um, only just like, I don't know, I just like, you know, I think I want to impress girls, want to be able to spin on my head. <laughs> you know, that was like the first thing that got to my head. It's like, oh man, I want to do what um, this B-Boys are doing on, on this music video clip, Run DMC. It's like that. You know, that was the first music video clip that I saw got me into it. I want to be able to do that. And then found some people who actually were doing it. And then I just fell in love with it. It's such a niche sport. It's like even now, it's super niche. On, only just recently, we've been announced that it's going to be an Olympics, which is super exciting. Paris 2024. So it kind of brought me back into wanting to um, trial and get back into it and, and see where I can take it. 
I think the big question then that I've got for you is, did you impress girls? You know, it's so funny. Like you start off dancing, trying to impress girls, right? And you're kind of like, oh, one day I'm going to be able to do this. But once you fall in love with the dance, you don't even care about the girls. You're so in love with the dance. You're like, you're so addicted to it. I remember like walking out of my school exam so I can go to practice. It was just like, all right, I finished halfway through. I'm out, boom, handed my half-finished exam. I just ran out to do, to go training. Um, and then when you get addicted to it, you don't even think about like trying to impress anymore. You just so, I was so addicted to it. I was just so obsessed with it, trying to get the moves, practicing. Where I got? We go to cinemas. We find a space. We start breaking in the middle of the, the floor. We go to shopping center. Oh, there's a space. We try to like, we bust out everywhere. Um, and that was like a thing that we used to do as kids. But yeah, it's as, uh, as you get, I, I mean, it boosted my confidence for sure, because that was like another thing that the dance helped me. I was a very insecure, um, introvert kind of, you know, person and the dance kind of made me realize, holy shit, not a lot of people can do what I can do that boosted my confidence up, um, and learn how to be, you know, performing in front of the crowd and I perform in front of like 5,000, 10,000 people. And they were just like, you know, it was like not a big deal anymore. Um, but yeah, I, I owe it a lot to breaking and hip hop to make me who I am now. What were you like <clears throat> as a kid then, like growing up at school, etc.? Cause, cause you mentioned like you, obviously you, you left exam early to, to go and break dance. That's sort of very similar to what I did. I, I used to intentionally get kicked out of school so I could go oh, and really? build websites because <laughs> that's what I enjoyed doing. Right. Um, right. So what were you like growing up? Were you a bit of a, a twat growing up? To be honest, I was like a straight A student. I was just like, you know what? Um, and this is why I always like say to my friends, like, man, like as an immigrant, because I was an Indonesian immigrant before I moved to, to Australia, right? And and I was living there um, since I was 10 or 11. I moved to Australia. I couldn't speak English. And I was kind of like, you know what? I need to prove something as an immigrant. I need to be able to prove something and I can make it here. Um, and that's part of it, just learning the language and learning the culture but also trying to like, all right, I need to become a straight A student. And I was just doing really well until I found dancing. You know, when I started dancing, I'm like, holy shit, like, you know, that's all I care about now. That was my obsession because I found my, my passion. Um, and after a while, you know, this, you know, taking dance to, to where I took, which is like to the world level, um, you know, I took it to Red Bull BC1 and I was the champion for Australia in Red Bull BC1 2011. Um, and just took me to a different level, but it just, I've never been a rebel, but I've always been someone who's like, have this not obsessive kind of personality, but if I like it, I'm just gonna, you know, pursue it. Maybe it's also my ADHD. I don't know. I can't explain, but I was a, a good student. <laughs> so, and, but then I was hanging out with all the troubled kids, you know, cause in the dance world, you're just hanging out with the street kids cause they, they have nothing else. Right. So they found um, safe zone in the dance, in the culture. So I was just hanging out with the, with the, the gangsters and thugs and the street kids really who find the same passion. But, you know, you learn, we learned the way like of the streets, you know, like I would just, like I said, I went to private school, I went to good school until, you know, um, hanging out with these kids. I opened up a lot of, uh, again, another culture for me, another like uh, ways of, of living really, rather than just like by, you know, like in private school, living is, is different. You know, like you go to university and there's like such a blueprint but, uh, you know, hanging out with these other kids is kind of like, hey, you don't have to follow the blueprint. You can just do whatever you want, um, do what you enjoy. And, and you know, I took it to till now. Nice. Did you ever think 
that being an immigrant would maybe hold you back in life or did did you never think about that I reflected on that recently actually because like I was listening to Gary Vaynerchuk Gary V you Gary V um if you don't know who he is he's like a massive entrepreneur public speaking he just uh, he just great investors as well and I, I just you know such an inspiration to a lot of people um and we're talking like he was talking about being an immigrant as well you know like just having something to prove um especially like if you grew up in Australia like a lot of the culture here is kind of like you know just live day to day and yeah it just very you become so complacent right but for us like i i think coming from an immigrant family like you just want to prove something you know it's you want to make it you want to like hey look i need to achieve something i've moved so far away from home to here i need to make it um but also i've seen like a lot of you know immigrants don't make it they just kind of like you know blaming it on a hey, um you know blaming the, having that victim mentality right they're like oh man i'm at disadvantage because i'm not from here this is this i'm like that's bullshit you know what i mean that, um i just want to prove people wrong that was the the big thing for me nice and obviously you mentioned break dancing is going to be in paris 2024 you i presume want to to qualify for that how how does that actually work to be honest i just learned the whole system yesterday they just announced it um uh yeah so i don't even know how is uh, we're going to qualify to be honest we I haven't even looked into it but i think you have to compete um in different competitions um and gain as many points or what and then they pick top 4 um that's it so it's a, it's a very picky um yeah way of, of picking the the athletes i guess um but to be honest I, it's still very new to me i just have no idea and i just literally just got back into it like a few months ago so i have no clue yet confident you'll you'll get there i'll i'll do my best so i'm like you know i've been training quite a bit um but again i feel like i'm at i'm a bit behind because everyone else still already having left the game and having pra- uh, left practicing so so yeah so i don't know we'll see how we go nice so yeah obviously you mentioned you started with break dancing then you went into to cabinet nor how did that come about so we i started i wanted to open the shop i think when i was 25 26 i was just like you know what i think it's time to to do something productive in my life like dancing not getting me anywhere even though i reached the top level um i wasn't you know living the lifestyle that i wanted I, you know i wasn't you know buying a house or anything like that it was just traveling around the world it was fine but um i didn't really it, it's not the lifestyle that i wanted you know at, at my age at the time so for me it's like either i saved enough either to buy a house and pay um either buy a house or open a business and i think for me it's like i've always wanted to open a business because that was a lot long term dream and we used to work at footlocker adidas you know like all our friends used to be like oh man one day we're going to have our own store instead of working for the cap uh, for the you know for the corporate um and that's how we yeah that's how i opened the, the shop in 2013 and a lot of uh lessons learned a lot of learning curves obviously it it's it's marked uh next year marks our 10th year so um a very interesting journey for sure like you know i didn't have zero background in business so i learned a lot of that business just being just opening that business
there's a there'll be a lot of people listening to this who like me started a business for maybe the wrong reasons maybe like oh, i wanted to make a lot of money i wanted this sort of status all this mm. sort of stuff and then yeah. quickly you realize within maybe your first year that it's not actually as easy as it makes out and they'll be like oh i'm gonna start this business it's gonna be a walk in the park what do you remember from like your first year First year was just exciting for me. I mean, I wasn't making money. Like, you know, I remember just making my first shoe sale. I was like, oh my God, it was like $100. Um, we probably make two, three sales in the first few days. You know, I was just like over the moon. I'm like, oh my God, this is this is the, the lifestyle. Um, I was just being, I was just so stoked to be in that, you know, like being able to do my own, open up, open up the shop, uh, fulfilling my dreams. That was the big thing. And then later on, that's when I go, all right, cool. As we get bigger, that's when the stresses come about. Um, sometimes keeping it small, it's actually really fun. But as you scale, you realize it's causing a lot of stress. Um, and it's, that's when you start, you need to grow your team. So you need to find great team, great members, great, um, you need to start delegating. Don't take all the stresses yourself. Um, don't be afraid to ask for help. You know, all these things. Uh, but at the beginning, it was just, all fun, you know, until you kind of like, all right, what else is there? You know, how, how can I elevate? Do you want to stay here or do you want to go this way? Um, if you want to go this way, ooh, the mountain's high, but you got to be ready to bring in all your oxygen, bring in everything. Because you want to climb to the top, you need to be prepared, right? Um, and most businesses just stay happy to stay here. And like, yeah, I'm just struggling along. But we want to climb. We want to go global. You know, that's where we want to take it. And that's when I had to learn. I need to switch my mindset to, all right, what do I need? I need to become more valuable. I need to le learn about business. I need to learn about marketing. I need to learn about branding. I need to learn about all these things, all these tools. Um, whilst before I was just kind of like, all right, whatever, like, you know, play it as you go. But yeah, business is really, really interesting to me now. I like it, looking at it, because especially from coming from a creative perspective. And I, to be honest, even now, I still hate doing a number crunching and stuff like that. But you have to learn all that. You know what I mean? It's, it's business, you know what I mean? Instead of like, and that was my first mistake um overbuying stock for example overspending on stuff that are you know the brands that we didn't need um over investing in you know new brands that didn't work in our market these are the learning curves you know even taxes you know like you gotta pay your taxes a certain way and don't forget about that <laughs> um you know rent cash flow all these stuff that you have to learn man there's plenty how important to you is building a good team because i'll speak from my own sort of point of view when when we first started yeah. and the first few people we hired i was a little bit I'll, I'll admit this now i was insecure and i wanted to hire people less talented than me to make me so that i felt like the best right i felt oh, i know this yeah. all but yeah and now i've realized that the actually the better people i hire they make me look better anyway how have you mm. ever had any like negative experiences with with team and how important is that to you to be honest like uh it's it's quite humbling when you see someone better than you at certain um department you know what i mean like for example like i'm not my friend will be like they're more business minded than i am then i'm like oh cool then you handle that oh you better be the marketing please handle that do you know what i mean then let me continue be good at doing what I'm good at rather than trying to like overlook everything. Um, and that's part of, you know, that's 
the people with the biggest, like if you look at Elon Musk, he's not the smartest guy in his company, but he's hires the smartest guys in the company. Yes, he can communicate with all those people, um, but he's got that vision. He's smart. Let Elon Musk have that, you know, extreme vision, right? Because he's like the guy with that, you know, the big dream, and everyone else is trying to fulfill that dream. Um, and that's how I look at look at it. It's like, dude, it's, it's better off getting people who are more talented than you. Um, but at the same time, you need to, to steer your ship your way. Because if you have too many captains of the ship, then you're not going, you're just going around the circle. You're not going anywhere, really. Because, like, you know, like sometimes you just need, all right, cool. A lot of people have this ego is, is the biggest enemy, right? Like when you have, when you hire someone with a big ego, it also can destroy the company. Um, because you end up just playing, playing tug of war uh, with each other instead of like, hey, look, we're probably pulling tug of war against each other rather than like, you know, building this or like pursuing this together and, and building this together. So um, you got to find that balance really. But I, I know what you mean. Like sometimes you just want to hire someone. But I don't, I don't think it's productive at all just hiring someone lesser value than you. You know, you want to find someone as valuable or if not more valuable than you are in a different department and for example you're lacking this um the marketing section then you hire the best person who can handle marketing and so on and so on so um yeah very interesting for me just finding the right crew is just super hard that's the most challenging thing what does your what does your day look like because there's all this crap on like instagram and tiktok that says to be successful, you must wake up at six thirty, and then you must do an hour cardio and stuff like that. Yeah, is yours like that, or do you? What's your, what's your day? <laughs> nah, no, I used to watch that too. I was like, man, like you know, millionaire mentality. Wake up at three thirty, four o'clock. I'm like, dude, impossible for me to do that. You know, like go for a run five o'clock in the morning. It's like, man, it's cold. <laughs> you know, and then who who did I watch? I think I saw Jeff Bezos just posted. Oh yeah, I wake up eight thirty, and I'm like, great. So, you know, Jay Bez is the richest guy in the world, wakes up at 8 to 30, and, and that's the same with me. Like, I find it very important to start your day um, productive, yes, but also, like, you know, to start it right. So you, that window of time that you're working, you'll be the most productive. There's no point coming to work, you know, 8 o'clock, and then just wasting two hours just to get your gears going. Um, so, yeah, whether it, with exercising in the morning helps you, it's everyone's different, right? For me, like I started doing exercise in the morning. Yeah, it helps. Or exercising at night time, it helps me um, wind down, wind up, whatever you need to do. But I don't follow these blueprints. <clears throat> this blueprint just only works for certain people. And like when they're trying to force the blueprint to everyone else, it just doesn't work. Um, you know, I like to, I always tell my friends, like, man, I'm like a vintage car where I got to start slow in the morning. You know, you put, put me on. And then you just kind of like let it run for like half an hour before you, you take me out for a ride. You know, I mean, then I'll perform, um, but don't just, you can't, I'm not an electric car. I'm not just going to go zero to a hundred straight away in the morning. Um, yeah, everyone's different, I guess, but I, I know what you mean. There's so many people trying to teach their blueprints and I don't think it works for everybody. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie. I woke up about half an hour before this call. So, but for, for, in my defense, there's different time zones. So we'll, we'll, 100%, we'll yeah. allow it. It's eight. Yeah. I woke up at eight, but, um, I wanted to ask you, you're obviously quite heavy on Instagram. You're, you've got a presence there. I, me as well. I All the time, I see these fake, fake entrepreneurs, right? Like, 
or maybe they're not fake, but they're just posting all the time this lavish, lavish lifestyle. They look, oh, I've got it all. I've got the Lambo. I've got this mansion and all this. And it just sort of comes across fake. What are your thoughts on that? Because it's, it's pretty crap, isn't it? I think it's not true. Depends. Like, you know, it's, it depends because some of them actually work hard and all we've seen is that them with Lamborghinis and all big houses and stuff, right? We don't see what they've done throughout the years to get there. So it's hard to judge where, how do they get it? And if it's fake or if it's real. Um, for me, I'm still in my, the process of getting there. So a lot of my followers probably now just seeing me working hard to do, to get there. Um, by the time I get the Lambo and stuff like that, and they're probably people like, oh man, this guy's a wanker <laughs> just showing up his Lambo. But then like, dude, if you follow me the last 10 years, you've probably seen me work hard to get there. So it's hard to say uh, about these influencers who's like, are they just posing or actually they just happy to showcase or just, um, you know, to show people what they've achieved because I'll be proud if I've done the same thing, right? I want to show people, hey, look, I've achieved this. You know, this is like, I want people like, hey, you can make it too if you work hard or you can make it so, so you can inspire people. Um, and obviously you're going to get a lot of haters too. They'd be like, man, this guy's making money like this, this, this. You know, there's always going to be haters. The more successful you get, the more haters you get. Um, that's just part of the the game, right? Unless you want to stay anonymous and um, that's fine. It's up to you. Some I've, I've known so many rich people just want to stay anonymous and they have a great lifestyle too. <laughs> I don't, yeah. I, and I, to be fair, I don't mind the lifestyle they've got. It worked hard for that, right? I, what bugs me is the fact that they will just post that with like, 10 other posts on their feed but they won't show the hardship they won't show like that pot noodle on a 2 a.m then you know what it is friday night then they're just them they're battling their insecurities you know they want to they want that sort of dopamine hit right because then they feel good when people are liking the photos they're showing off this 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 because that's all they have or that's all they think they have um and that's i think the whole problem with social media in general you know they just want to show the glitz and glamour they don't show the hard work because they might get embarrassed from exposing mm-hmm. the hard work uh what it may be so who knows right um like for me it's like i want to so, yeah like, look i'm showing my journey yeah yeah i don't know about you but um for, for me like there were a time i would just post selfies probably came from a place of like insecurity right and i was like I want to be liked. I want people to, to mm. like me. But now you, you've obviously seen my feed. I have these like conversations. I, I post mm. stuff that's valued to me and I've noticed my Instagram's just gone like that. People can, yeah. in my opinion, more about that. hundred percent. Like I, I started doing these little videos of just in, inspirational videos, just trying to like, maybe, I don't know, inspire the few people or it, Maybe even for me, just as a reminder, or, hey, look, if you want to achieve this and want a breakthrough mentality, if you want to break through anxiety, this is this is what I find helpful. And the thing that I learned from uh, listening to, you know, my favorite guy to listen to on YouTube is uh, the guy named Jim Rohn. Jim Rohn is Tony Robbins' mentor. Um, if you haven't heard or seen him, just research him. He's very, very good. And I learned a lot from him. And he said that, you know, in order for you – um, if you want to be successful, then you have, if you want to make money, whether it's making money or being successful, then you have to learn how to become valuable, right? Whatever you do, you have to become valuable. So, if, you know, I take it, I take that to like, all right, cool. What values can I bring to my, my viewers or my demographics or my, 
the people who are following me, right? It's like whether it's a free information or um, where they can help people in some sense, whether it's pursuing your business career in, in fashion or, or you know, uh, fitness and stuff, whatever I can do to help, then at least I'm bringing values to my social media um, rather than just like, hey, guys, I'm doing this. Like, check it out. Check me out. It's like, hey, look, if you want help, then oh, you should check this out. This is how you create a business. This is how you create a brand or this is how um, you maintain a healthy lifestyle or whatever it may be. So I just remember like from Jim Rohn, it's like, all right, cool. How do you become valuable? That's the biggest life lesson, I think. And, and yeah, and that, that's why I wanted to get you on, to be fair, because obviously I went through your feed and you you could see the hard work that sort of went behind it. Mm. Um, I'm curious, what what would you say, big question, so apologies, what would you say your purpose is? I ask everyone this. Purpose of, like, my purpose Just purpose. Life, or... Um, what, what do you think you are here to, to achieve? I have a lot of purposes, right? Because like for me, it's like I want to, my, my dream goal is quite big. You know, so for me, it's like I've always want to um, cure poverty. But it, that's, you know, thinking back now, I'm like, how do I do that? Like if, you know, companies spend billions and trillions of dollars trying to sort that out, it's, it's almost like an ongoing thing. Um, but if I can just commit, if I make differences to millions of people or billions of people, whether it might be helping financially or, um, you know, inspire them somehow, <clears throat> then I'll be, it'll be enough for me. But it just, that is a, that's a huge goal for us. So for me, like I've always wanted to build an empire strong enough, big and powerful enough so we can make a difference to not just like hundred people, more like millions of people. That's where, um, but in order to help a lot of people, then we need a lot of money. We need a lot of resources. We need a big support from a lot of individuals. It's not a one-man show. So we need like a whole big syndicate to kind of do that. But then, you know, in, you know, we need to inspire everyone to kind of help out as well. Not just, it's not just building an empire, being the richest guy in the world. And just, you know, for me, I want to change the world. Um, that's why I like, you know, what even like people like comment on Elon Musk, right? Oh, he wants just he cares about just flying people to Mars. Yeah, but he's thinking in a different sense, you know, like because it's just like his way of thinking is so different. Once the Earth becomes so populated, and you know, because when you become overpopulated, that's going to be high, you know, crime activities. There's going to be a lot of poverty. You know, there's discrepancy in like financial um, earnings is going to be so huge. So it's going to be a lot of problems. So. Yep, he's he's thinking of solution. I'm like sending people to Mars as part of the solution. Great. <laughs> so I want to do that too, where we can like collectively talk as a syndicate, as a corporate. All right, what do we do? What's our mission? All right, we need to kind of fix this problem, global problem, global pandemic, um, and and work that way. But to to get there, we need to build that empire first. Talking of pandemics, then in um. 2020 coronavirus came around i'm sure i'm sure you've mm -hmm. heard of it um countries were locking down all this sort of stuff businesses were in essence a little bit fucked um yeah how were you affected by that so our business was super affected especially in our city um it was crazy we were shut down for 
a good 24 months. Um, that was a long time of like us being in lockdown. Um, but yeah, not only that, it just like, we don't have any, we couldn't travel and, and traveling for us is the biggest thing. Right. So it, yeah, I think just for me, just looking at it more on a mental issues perspective rather than the business perspective, it's really hurting a lot of people. Um, I'm just glad, you know, we're normalizing again now. Um, but yeah, it, it, it screwed up a lot of business for sure. Did you, was there ever a point where you thought maybe we won't get out of this on the other side? Um, no, like, you know, we knew it's gonna, there's going to be an end. Uh, but yeah, I just don't know how, I didn't know how long it's going to take us. You know, it's, and now like everyone seems to get, once they have COVID, they're like, yep, sweet. <laughs> We're done. We're good. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, like, I didn't know. What about you guys? How's that in, in, in uh, UK? Well, um, we've got Boris Johnson. I, I don't know if you've heard of him. Um, you probably yes. Yeah. 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 So good old Boris. I th- I th- this is going to sound a bit selfish, but because because we had Boris, he sort of he sort of let us just sort of crack on without letting us crack on. Not if that caring. makes sense, like right. Yeah, he didn't give a shit. <laughs> to, to be fair, especially yeah. towards the end, like you, you look at Australia and they were locked down for ages and some other countries, but he was like, eh, it's your own choice. <laughs> so, um, yeah. we were quite lucky. Um, but then again, we, um, had a huge death toll. So it's sort of a balancing act, but, um, yeah, one thing I wanted to ask you is, and I'll ask you the highest point, but what would you say the lowest point in your entrepreneurial journey has been? I don't have one. I'm like, I'm quite a positive person. So I don't think anything as a lowest point. It's more like the greatest lesson. Um, do you know what I mean? And, and for me, it's like, we've gone through ups and downs in businesses. Like I said, I was new at it. Um, I'm learning. This has gone into my 10th year and I still feel like I'm learning a lot. And, you know, you know, we've expanded, we've built the, the brand big enough that even, even for example, you found out about us, you know, being in UK. And it's funny because like people don't understand, um, I, we have a, a better brand recognition overseas than in Australia. The way it works is kind of funny. Um, you know, like in US we're quite big and probably bigger in US and Europe than in Australia. Um, it's a, it's funny to see that, but I don't know. I don't have a lawyer's point. It's more like everything, just like a learning curve for me. Um, the more challenging it is, the I think the more exciting it is for us to tackle. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't have a lowest point. Nice. So what was your, have, have you ever had the highest point where you thought, wow. The highest point for, for us is just, um, I don't think we've reached there yet. You know, we're, we're planning to get into the, um, to Paris fashion week next, next year. And, you know, we're excited to, to be showing our, our new range, our new collection um, with big buyers. I think it just, we always see it's like little milestone. So we never see, yeah, we've got, you know, our end, our goal there. But I think for us, just like, all right, cool. 
um, one hurdle at a time. Oh yeah, we'll just jump that that hurdle. Let's jump another hurdle. Let's jump another hurdle. And that's our focus. We just kind of like, you know, just excited for us to kind of like see where it's taking us, especially with the brand where it's going. Um, I guess recently you know, we just found out Jay Z just bought our clothes, which is awesome. <laughs> so that was like a little hurrah. <laughs> Uh, it's like DJ Z. I'm like, sure, like he, he bought us stuff. That's amazing. Um, yeah, I, for me, it's like it just big miles. Like, the highest point at the time was 10 years ago was opening the shop. That was the highest point, and that was like when we were making no money. Um, but now, as we expanded, as we expanded, I think you know, we have a bigger goal now, you know, we have a much more drive than before. So yeah, we're very very excited, man. I, I can't wait till um, we go global. Till we start doing fashion week and we start doing fashion shows. How did you um find out Jay Z bought your clothes? <laughs> um, our agent, he's based in in London. He's like, oh, by the way, Jay Z's bought your brand, uh, in New Jersey. I'm like, what? That's crazy, you know. So from one of our stores, one of our suckers. Um, which is huge. I mean, we've had like the artists buying our stuff too, but like for us, it's like Jay Z was the big name, you know, like, oh shit, Jay Z bought our stuff. So hopefully one day we can just like, you know, more celebrities, more artists will be wearing our stuff, and that's good for our, our branding and marketing. Definitely. What What are your thoughts on um, personal branding? How important that is that to you? And, and almost how important is the public image of you? <clears throat> I think it goes hand in hand, right? Even though people only see me as the face of the brand, but it's not true. We have like maybe 20, 30 of us, you know, like people work in the retail sector. People didn't work in our cafe. We just opened up. And then, you know, the team that work um, on, on the brand, production, design, people just don't see that. They just see like me as the face kind of thing. You know, I guess um, I'm a very grateful of that, but, in order for, for our customers to to capture the essence of the brand, they will look at me as a brand. Um, so now, instead of like working behind the closed doors, I want to. Exp- I, I like to expose things. Um, I would call. It, I like to expose how we make things and and so on and so on and and it's just being more transparent. So I was inspired heaps by you know the owner of Gymshark, like he was just pretty much exposing how he runs his business. I'm like, man, I'm learning a lot from that. And he became the brand. He's the brand, right? And But then like we now start seeing the crew behind the brand as well. And that's how what I want us uh, people to see the, our brand. Like Cabinoir, yes, I started the brand, but it's a big, big team behind it. And it's like every individual is very, very important to us um, to make it work. How big is your team now? Probably about 20-something in, in the core group. I mean, eventually we want to, you know, expand and have our own production team and so on and um, and go globally, you know. Hopefully we can grow our family. But we have a very, very tight uh, family in, in, in our company. Uh, and we like it that way. It's a, you know, small family kind of vibe. Nice. Awesome. So what I tend to finish with is obviously, I can't remember when it was, I think it was a few days ago, I put a and a out on um, social media. Um, so it'd be just good to um, finish with, with some questions from people, if that's okay. 
Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, sure thing. Awesome. So the first one is, what are some tips for creatives stuck in doubt? This is this is the biggest problem with um, a lot of entrepreneurs as well, right? When they get stuck in doubt, they just don't end up committing it. They're too afraid to make the first step. And for me to kind of I always say the same thing to people about to start a business or um, whether they're launching, they, a lot of them are too scared. They're like, they have the idea. They come, Eddie, I've got this idea. I want to do this. I'm like, well, why don't you do it? Oh, yeah, yeah, maybe, um, you know, they just contemplate about it and they get too scared to take their first step because they want validation. Is it going to work? Is it gonna, it's like no one knows if it's going to work. Um, I like the people who has actually made that first step, that made that leap of faith, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, I made the first step. Ah, oh, you made that first step. Let me help you then. Let me guide you through and I can help you out with that. But if people are like too scared to kind of make the first step, they're never going to go anywhere. Um, and you have to, you have to go in uh, with the mentality of, look, I've burned the bridge behind me. So the only way of moving is forward. And those people are the ones who's going to make it big. The most successful people have done that. Do you, know, do you know what I mean? They started from nothing and uh, they have nowhere to go besides forward. And that's the same thing with me. Like like I said, I put all my money into the business, um, risk everything that I have into pursuing what I want to do. The thing that we have is time. You know I mean? Even if you fail you can always go back. You can always restart. You can always refresh. But if you leave it too late, imagine doing like entrepreneurship when you're like 80 or 90. Dude, you don't have much time left to make mistakes. You know what I mean? The, for me, the biggest success is like failing repeatedly rather than not failing at all and you're not learning at all. You know, so um, I guess my biggest tip is just don't be afraid. You know what I mean? Just go with the guts. Do it. You don't need validation if you believe in it. Just do it because most people probably won't see your vision. I, I've had people doubting my vision and saying, hey, Eddie, I don't know what you're doing. Your vision, it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense because ne they've never seen what we're doing before. So only after we've made it reality, then they see what's what's going on. Um, and yeah, just I think to stick with it and just go with your guts. Yeah, and that sort of moves on to the next one of um, – what advice would you give to people who receive like criticism from people because you're doing something a little bit different, like creating the YouTube videos or TikTok and stuff like that? Oh man, I love it. I love the doubters. You know, the more people doubting it and just saying negative things, it's like, it just gives me more of a boost, more of a confidence that I'm doing the right thing. That means you're evoking emotions, right? Because like if people are not responding to your videos, to your content, um, that means they don't care. The fact that they're spending time writing negative feedback or whatever, that means they really care what, you, what you're saying. Obviously, you're not just there to kind of create um, create trouble on a, on a social media platform or just, you know, make headlines, whatnot, right? But when people are debating about, you know, what you're doing on TikTok or social media, um, man, I love that. I love the whole thing. You know, the whole, like, there's people like that I watch, like Ben Shapiro, I'm a... I love like listening to him, even though I don't like what he's saying most of the time. Um, same thing with, you know, watching a lot of podcasts like Joe Rogan. Like there's some stuff that I like him like saying and some stuff that I don't like him saying. But it evokes my emotion, makes me want to watch him more, makes me want to follow the journey and just, yeah. And, and that's exciting for me. Nice. The next one is how do you grow a social media following? Just staying true to yourself, 
and I'm still building my social media following. Um, you know, but to me, it's like not not seeing it like what can I post to make myself feel better. It's more like, all right, again, it's all about the values thing, right? right are you posting just to 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 gain attention, or are you creating values to the people following you? Um, and for me, like I share my journeys or my stories, and I respond to my um, the people who's DMing me and say, hey, look, how do I get into this? I'm like, oh, cool. I'll help you out. Um, use that platform to inspire rather than just, you know, um, a lot of people just, it, they have a different agenda using the social media, right? They get lost in just like more um, in a narcissistic way. I just want that dopamine hit. So they just, like you said, with the fake influencers um, or the same, uh, there's some influencers just want to show off. Um, but yeah, just, I think just think about creating values. What values can you bring into your social platform? Nice. Two more then. <clears throat> and you, you sort of answered this in the first one, to be fair. What advice would you have for young people looking to start their own business? Uh, research it a lot. You know, like look at, um, if it's, look at who your audience is. And create a great brand. Great, your branding is very, very important. Um, your products will help your branding. Your products will help your marketing. You know, once you've had a uh, great brand, great marketing, you know, you also look at your products. Like, is your product good? Like, you have to deliver, right? Again, like, if your marketing and branding is so good, but then your product is shit, um, you're not going anywhere. I mean, if you look at the case of, like, Coca-Cola against Pepsi, Pepsi had a better product but then Coca-Cola's branding is way better than Pepsi. So when they've done like taste testing, everyone loves Pepsi, but then people only like tend to buy more of Coca-Cola because the branding is much stronger. So yeah, create great products, but also your branding and marketing is very, very important. So if your business to, to stay alive, you need those two. Nice. There is actually two more. Cause there's one I wanted to ask you. Um, it's not, mm. it wasn't asked, but uh, one thing I'm really interested in is <clears throat> how how would you build confidence? Um, and what I mean is like whether that's going out, putting your face out of the brand or like publicly speaking and, and stuff like that, speaking to clients. Confidence for me, like I get, like I said, I started off an introvert, um, you know, and I just, just learning, just forcing myself to be in that uncomfortable situation but also observing and learning body language for me. Like um, there was a book that I used to read called the game. It was about pickup artists. And I just picked up like little body language techniques, um, you know, like, and it's very, very important. And, and in the book, basically what I took from the book is demonstrate higher value. So like even faking that, that like, you know, I'm confident chest out this physiologically, you're tricking your brain as if you're, you know, you're a confident person. If you're like slouching like this and then your brain starts to think, oh, he's, I'm nervous, I'm scared. And, and you, you're already tricking your brain that you're already going to be back into your shell. Um, so for me, just a lot of practice. There's a lot of practice interacting with people and just, you know, and putting yourself in a more uncomfortable situation. So I, I like putting myself in an uncomfortable situation where I have meetings with older clients or, you know, like people with the biggest status and see if I can sit in the table and have the same value as them without them knowing who I am. Um, but I took years and years of practice of kind of like learning that body language, 
physiological kind of behavior um also communicating and like expressing and like wording my my words being interesting in a meeting um being interesting in a social environment it's like like meaning like how do i tell the story it's about storytelling about you know capturing people's attention and how do i win them over so these are kind of techniques you can learn there's so many um books and videos and you know youtube others that you can learn about you know how to behave in a social environment but it's something that if you don't have it naturally then you need to work on it <clears throat> definitely final one then the one that's asked every time the famous question do you like chicken nuggets i love chicken nuggets i can eat 30 of them a day good answer <laughs> <laughs> have you got a mcdonald's over in um australia you will we do to be honest our mcdonald's are way better than your mcdonald's sorry <clears throat> for some reason they? like they just don't try taste fresh over there yeah you have to try mcdonald's here yeah, maybe I'll I'll come over for a gap year or something. That's sort of what sure. every person's doing at the moment, isn't it? <laughs> oh man, just um, come here in summer. Come right. here in summer, you love it. Yeah, Eddie, um, it's been a privilege to talk to you today. Truly inspiring. Thanks for having me, Liam. Um, yeah, I'm really grateful. What I'll do is um, in the description below, I'll I'll link Cabinet Nor. I'll link all your social channels. Um, and yes, yeah, stay in touch. Perfect. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you very much. Peace. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Online Disruptor. I hope you really enjoyed it. As mentioned earlier, if you could just leave it a quick review, a thumbs up, it would honestly mean the world. And it will mean that we can continue to bring on these exciting guests. Thank you so much. Have a great week and see you next week.